Hello and welcome to the Perlu Podcast, Influencer Marketing Reimagined, a podcast where we chat with influencer marketing professionals, social media influencers, bloggers, YouTubers, podcasters, you name it, about what has led to their success. Today, we have the pleasure of hearing from the Global VP of Influencer Marketing at Cody, Randall Chinchia. Randall leads influencer marketing for Cody's professional division, responsible for setting the division's influencer marketing global strategies across Cody's salon professional brand portfolio, which includes leading salon brands such as Wella Professionals, System Professional, Sebastian, Nioxin, Sassoon Professional, and OPI. Randall is an experienced brand builder, passionate about unleashing the power of earned and owned media to spark authentic conversations that help brands cut through the consumer cynicism and traditional advertising fatigue. Creative and inquisitive, Randall believes the power of analytics and seamless collaboration across multidisciplinary teams gets the job done. For Cody Marketing, Randall is responsible for partnering with local markets to activate the global strategic influencer marketing vision, laser focused on building and leveraging influencer engagement to generate earned media coverage, drive visibility, build brand equity, credibility, and preference. I'm your host, Alexis Trammell. If you enjoyed today's episode, we hope you sign up for Perlu to connect with Cody and to learn more about how you can grow your influencer marketing career. Randall, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Alexis. It's an honor to be here. And I also appreciate your introduction. I actually am I, uh, a bit overwhelmed and my face is, is going a bit red uh, <laughs> after, after your introduction, but thank you very much. I appreciate it. And it's a pleasure to be here and I'm hopefully I can share some insights that can help the audience sharpen their earn media and their influencer marketing skills. That would be my goal for today. Thank you so much. Thank you. So why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit more about yourself? How did you become the global VP of influencer marketing at Cody? Yeah, thank you. Well, I mean, I, unfortunately, it's going to be a long answer to that, but I think it's important because it kind of broadens a perspective on how I got to, to this role. Just to tell you a little bit about myself, I started my career at Cadbury Schweppes. I've always been involved in, in marketing-related work. I spent then uh, 17 years of my career at Procter & Gamble, and the past three and a half years, I've been working for Cutting as the influencer marketing VP for Cutting Professional Division, as you stated before. While at PNG, I held positions in Latin America, in the U.S. and Europe, and, and also, you know, having local roles as well as global roles, and uh, leading influencer marketing, brand public relations at the time for billion-dollar brands such as Pantene in the U.S., Head and Shoulders, brands that are familiar probably for your U.S. audience such as Tide and Downey, uh, were part of brands that I, I had the, the pleasure and the opportunity to work with and for. I've also done some things of corporate affairs on and off, but I, I've always been very much linked to brand PR, mainly managing uh, non-paid media strategies and traditional PR back in the day. So always connected to that type of brand building. I, I think I was witness to the whole advent of social media. I'm going to date myself, but it sounds like, you know, the days where having a website or having a Facebook page or a Twitter account for a brand were a novelty and a curiosity and the marketers. I used to do that as a, as a luxury that came after everything else, after TV, after radio, out of home, and all different consumer touch points back in the day. And in reality, I believe firsthand the whole, uh, you know, how things have turned on its head, right? The, the, how the, the, the power has, sh- the communications power has shifted from brands talking to consumers to consumers actually being in control of the brands 
through their presence on social media. And that's the way brands are being built today, right? That's one of the challenges also that big big companies are facing is how pretty much anyone uh, who's got an audience and can connect with a manufacturer in China can launch a cosmetics line and actually become quite successful. So long way to, to say, you know, how I got to where I'm at, but I, I had the opportunity to witness all this transition, always being very conscious that it was a big opportunity, but also, especially for large companies like Procter, one of the things that at the time we were struggling with is like things shifted. We started witnessing how, you know, the old organizational model, the traditional organizational model that we had started faltering, right? It's like, well, who does what, right? It, it was the PR person who handles social media, so the digital team, is it the marketing team, is it the PR team. So I think we started experiencing some of that. And then fast forward 2016, Procter & Gamble sells specialty beauty brands, which included the Fallon Professional Division, which I was a part of. And we transitioned to Cody. That immediately doubled the size of Cody as a company. Some new positions were created, one of which was a position of vice president of influencer marketing. And that, that role was offered to me just based on the profile that I had. But the role came without a script because no one really had held it before. It was really some type of you know, challenge if you want, but also a very exciting opportunity because having witnessed what I had witnessed in the past, it allowed me to, in some ways, start thinking about or putting in place the structures that I thought were the ones that really were relevant for the way brands were being built in this new, in this new context. Mm-hmm. I'll leave it at that because I could talk for a long while on this, but roughly it's that. I mean, the role in some ways came to me. I was, I think, professionally ready for it. I was also very intrigued about pushing myself and developing and reinventing my career in terms of my digital skills. I've been obsessed with doing that the past three years. Anyone who works for me is under threat in a good way that they need to know more about digital than I do. Uh, but that has been something that I've become obsessed in the past few years. That's no answer to your, your question. That's fascinating. Oh my gosh. How does marketing Cody's professional brands differ from B2C influencer programs? You work mostly in the professional division. So what would a Perlu influencer need to do in order to work with you? Well, that's a great question. So just for the benefit of, of, of the audience, the way you want to think about our brands is we are both um, B2C and B2B. But most of our business happens with B2B. And you can think about our brands as brands that are sold in the professional salon or in the professional nail salon as well. They're used and sold both. One of the particularities about our industry when it comes to B2B is that, from my experience throughout my career, having worked in many brands, this is one of the few categories where the number one influencer is not family and friends. In our case, the number one influencer is actually the hairdresser or the nail technician. And the reason for that is when a lady or or a gentleman go to a salon and they're asking for advice on how to cut their hair or how to dye their hair, they're not going to their friends and family necessarily to say, well, what shade should I use? What product should I use? They rely on someone that they trust that is the hairdresser or the nail technician. They are normally not asking which brand they're going to use. They trust the brand that the hairdresser is using. So for us, the number one influencer by far is the hairdresser. Hairdressers tend to be marketing influencers. And first and foremost, they are professional hairdressers. They are not professional influencers. So 
for someone in Perlu to be able to work with us, I think if we were talking B2B, ideally they would be almost professional hairdressers, which I think would probably be challenging. But when it comes to B2C, we also have a great opportunity. And I think depending on which brand, which program we're trying to advocate, what we'll be looking for is someone who can authentically and credibly speak about our brand. There's nothing worse than, than an obvious paid partnership in my opinion, as long as someone believes in a brand and believes in a proposition and doesn't feel shy about speaking about that product, I think that's when you find the sweet spot that drives a win-win for the influencer and, and for, for the brand. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So thanks, Randall. I'd like to take a quick break to talk about Perlu, the platform that all influencer marketing professionals should be using to connect with influencers. It's not a subscription-based directory. It's a professional network of active influencers ensuring that brands partner with only the best. And you can sign up and try the platform for free today. No commitments, nor obligations. Here's Brent Scott, Perlu's Director of Influencer Marketing, to tell you a little bit more. Brands, we know it's not easy to crack the code of influencer marketing. Influencer databases, basically just the yellow pages for influencers, are a disappointment for everybody. Usernames and follower accounts aren't enough, and you don't have time to worry about bots and fake influencers. And if you finally do find influencers who align with your goals, how do you know what type of campaign will work best for your brand? That's why we built Perlu, a community of active and thriving Instagrammers, bloggers, YouTubers, podcasters, you name it, who are collaborating right on our platform, using it to build authentic audiences and establish themselves as leaders in their niche, making it clear to you who's who in the influencer world. And to ensure your campaigns have amazing impact, we provide Perlu Advisors, a specially curated group of professional influencers to be your insider guides to influencer marketing. They have the experience, connections, and insights to help you develop amazing strategies for groundbreaking success. And once you've built your dream team, Perlu provides clean, simple tools to manage your campaign at every stage so you can put those spreadsheets, emails, and DMs to rest. Everything you need to crack the code of influencer marketing is here. Perlu, influencer marketing reimagined. So Randall, do you have any stories of successes or just lessons learned that you could share with our listeners? Uh, well, yes, for sure. I, I have tons. And let me let's start with some failures, right? The first one that comes to mind is I was speaking about how for us, micro-influencers are the norm. Typically, again, hairdressers, professionals who are not professional influencers necessarily. We started building our own community of people who were Umuela, which is the number one salon professional color brand and our leading brand in our portfolio. We started building a community, an online community of hairdressers who are passionate about Umuela. Basically, this is a non-paid people that we just have identified as people who are social media savvy and who are great content creators and who like to speak about Wella. So we figured, you know what, let's build a, a relationship here. So anyway, we started identifying them. We didn't know exactly how to start uh, this whole thing. This is, I'm talking now three years, three and a half years ago, maybe. We managed to launch a pilot in one market and we gathered a community of like around 50 people and we had the brilliant idea of developing an app. And we thought, okay, well, we develop an app. That's an opportunity for us to interact with them. Uh, they can be using that. We can uh, deploy content through our app, et cetera, et cetera, right? Fast forward, I mean, that, that, that was a total failure, right? Because in the end, the learning for us is that you have to meet people where they are. 
you don't have to make them go to where you are. And what people are using are, of course, Facebook communities, they're using WhatsApp, uh, they're using Instagram. So we've evolved from that learning rather than investing the amount of money that we invested, by the way, in developing an app that no one used because, you know, an app unused is a crime and people don't want to overload apps that they don't use. So that's the fact. That's the truth for you, me, and everyone who's probably listening to this. Now we have our community. It's very healthy. It's grown a lot. But the interactions happen exactly as I described. They happen on Facebook groups. They happen through WhatsApp. They happen through Instagram and so on. So that's one big lesson for us. I mean, for people who are building communities, I want to save them time and money. And then we also, you know, on the, on, the, on the positive side, I think we've managed to harness the power of community building. I'm a big believer in, I, I absolutely understand and support partnering with agencies. That has its place and its time. I also believe that brands should invest in developing their own communities of people who already love their brands and nurture those relationships. And that's easier said than done. In our case, we developed a community called the Wella Passionistas. Those, again, hairdressers, non-paid community. Today, it's 4.2 million rich strong, which is really big for hairdressers. They have a very high engagement rate, 2.5%. But more importantly, they, they are contributing nearly 40% of all the content for our own platforms. It's coming from this community, right? This content that performs better. It's a recognition to the artist because when we feature the content in our Instagram pages, they feel honored that that's the case. So we're growing it to be more a symbiotic relationship where, where we're helping build their careers while they're helping us also drive better, more authentic content, also drive awareness for our brand. So those would be two lessons on community building that I feel like we took years to get to and, and, and hopefully they can save time to others who are looking into building this type of efforts. That's so cool. I love that you value the symbiotic relationships here at Perlu. That's definitely one of our uh, biggest core values is helping influencers grow their career simultaneously. So how do you go about measuring success in Cody's marketing programs? Well, you know, if I had to boil it to one word, that is what probably our top management will say, sales, right? <laughs> that's the that's the bottom line, right? Are your programs building sales, right? I, and for me, always, you know, working in PR, I was always saying, well, but they're intangibles. But at the end of the day, that's a measure. Now, to answer your question very straightforward, I think as a proxy for that, we're using, of course, earned media. We track earned media, understood as reach, times, frequency, times, engagement rate for all the combined accounts, our accounts, as well as our competitors. And we see how our brands are ranking across all our top markets. So that's a proxy for how we're performing in terms of being a low brand or our brands being low brands is how much organic chatter we are generating with our initiatives, which, with our ambassadors and so on. We feel confident that our media is a good measure for that. For content creation, because we, we do a lot of influencer-generated content efforts, of course, we use the traditional content performance measures uh, such as engagement rate, CTR, and others, uh, but we do set very clear targets on the percentage of the total content. What are the targets that we want to come from influencers? So depending on the brand, some brands will go as high as 50%, and that's great, right? Because that's a way in which you also activate your communities to generate content that usually outperforms the branded content and is done in, you know, more effectively in terms of cost. And so those would be... Too. And within that, there is a subdivision of tons because you can really go 
into a subset that it tends to be confusing. But when I'm speaking to top management, I boil it down. We learn that we boil it down to earn media, as I described it, and content performance. I think that that is clear for everyone. So it has taken us, by the way, three years, but these two measures are reported monthly in the scorecard that goes all the way up to our president and our divisional leadership team. So they are really, so markets are really held accountable to, to be performing and outperforming our competitors on earned media. So that really helps. Earned media has been declared a top-down priority in, in the top 10 key business performance metrics. Huh? So that is huge. And that was a game changer for our programs. That's so so cool. that, that I think that's, yeah, that's, so I think that's one. For me, like this year, my team, we're all obsessed on cracking sales directly. We've done, of course, you know, the, the typical force to drive conversion. Sometimes it's difficult because when you're dealing with the big online names that I shall remain unnamed here, it's difficult because you don't get access to their analytics. Uh, but yeah, we're obsessed with figuring out how to make a direct link be- be- between our influencer marketing programs and, and direct sales not just conversion, not just traditional conversions. Would you say that that's one of your biggest pain points you experience when you're managing influencer marketing campaigns, connecting the sales to the influencers? Well, you know, so I I, want to go back to five, not that long ago. I want to go back to four years ago. I hate to answer yes to that because I had a bigger pain point in the past. And it was that I remember the days when we were measuring impressions. And I remember the days when we were doing brand PR, we were measuring impressions, we were measuring uh, ad equivalent value. And those measures were really intangible. Like our top management really never engaged. We came back and said, well, we did, we did decide this would have been worth 400,000. Okay, thank you very much. Oh, we have 60 billion impressions. So what does that mean for my business? Right. And to me, the question is out there, and, and I had to agree with them. And I, and I always felt frustrated because it was hard for me. It was hard for all of us to generate the level of traction that we needed from top management. So I tell you, with our media, as I just mentioned a few seconds ago, we have top management buy-in, which means that if I look at our entire portfolio, I guarantee you that influencer marketing will be in the top three investment choices of all our brands. Okay, so that is a very different world than when I was working, for instance, I was saying earlier at Procter, it was when I remember brand PR was the number six, number five choice, it was a nice to have occasionally. And I think the world has ch- shifted in that way. So in some ways, yes, it is a pain point that we haven't cracked necessarily a way to make every effort to, to convert every dollar that we invest in influencer marketing and link it to sales. I think that's the biggest opportunity for the industry, of course, for us. Mm-hmm. But is it a pain point? I wouldn't say it's a pain point. I think it's a big opportunity. I do have other pain points. And those are linked to measurement. I think one of the things that I found the hardest is that, you know, there's been a proliferation of agencies behind social media and influencer marketing. And I think there's a space for them. That's fine. It's just that what I find more often than not is that even the same measurement is treated differently by different agencies. And what that causes is that every time you're dealing with a new supplier, then the success criteria, it tends to be, you know, it tends to be confusing. Like, what are we really measuring? So one of the things that we've done is we've, we've taken a step back and trying to move everyone to our measurement. We've said, hey, we're working with a third-party supplier that just processes raw data. They don't have any particular agenda. 
and anyone who wants to work with us is going to be measured using our supplier, not necessarily their methodology. And as long as we're on the same page and we're working based on those KPIs, then great. But I do find it a point of confusion. And we spend a lot of time trying to practice is there are measurements out there such as earned media value, which are thrown away, you know, quite loosely, but they're black box measurements because depending on who you're talking to, you cannot even find out how those are calculated. So I personally don't like that. And I rather look at raw data, even if it's, I cannot link it directly to dollars immediately, but at least I can compare how I'm doing versus my competitors and I can do it in an objective way. That's my preferred way to move forward. But I do find that being a point of pain because if the industry was more harmonized on what success criteria and how those KPIs are calculated and it would be more transparent, then I think it would be easier for everyone to understand who are the best performers. Uh, so that would be one wish, let's say, that we have experience. That makes a lot of sense, yeah. Well, Randall, I can't thank you enough for being on today's show and thank you so much for all this valuable insight. You gave us some really unique perspective here. Yeah, thank you very much. And I applaud the efforts of Berlu in terms of disseminating knowledge, but also the tax services that you guys are providing. I'm looking forward to spending more time with, with you and your team. And I'm super thankful of the opportunity. If anyone has any questions or wants to reach out directly to me, they can do so going through my LinkedIn profile. And uh, yeah, they're welcome to, to reach out. I'm, I'm, I'm always looking for new insights, new challenges. And I, I believe talking with people, even if they're competitive brands, that always has enriched my career. So I'm, I'm happy to do a quick pro call with anyone out there who's curious and who found any value in what I shared or has any comments on it. I'm happy to help. Wonderful. Thank you so, so much. Thank you, Alexis. And thank you to everyone listening. We hope you really enjoyed hearing from Randall Chinchilla at Cody. If you like our show and are interested in what it takes to succeed in influencer marketing, check out our blog at blog.perlu.com for more podcasts and blog posts. And sign up for Perlu at perlu.com to meet, mingle, connect, collaborate, and grow your career. We hope you join us for our next installation of the Perlu podcast, Influencer Marketing Reimagined.